1: It's Roseanne, and here we are again with another Chakra Chat episode of my podcast. Today's one is a really special one. Um, I felt this one very personally, I have to admit, Um, and I will speak more to that at the end of the podcast. So stick around, and I will share a little bit more um, after you've heard the main podcast. But this one is for everyone, if you've ever been born... (laughs) Which we all have, or if you have ever given birth, this is one that I think is going to really resonate in one way or the other. So, welcome to this big, juicy episode of the Chakraway Meditation Podcast. So, welcome to today's episode of the Chakra Way Meditation Podcast. Today, I have a lovely, um, another lovely Chakra Chat, and today I'm talking to Charlotte Kanye. Um Welcome, Charlotte. Thank you so much for joining me today.
0: Well, thank you. It's lovely to be here. Pleasure to meet you.
1: Yeah, good. So I think I'm going to leave it up to you to describe what you are and what you do. I don't know what your title or title you might give yourself, but yeah, if you could just explain to people what you do and who you are, that would be wonderful.
0: Fabulous. I don't have a proper title, not a catchy one, you know, but my name is Charlotte (laughs) Kanye. It's not, you know, people like to have catchy titles, but um, I... So I'm Charlotte Canyon. My business is called Birth Essence. And that kind of says it in a way that the essence of birth and of who we are. And so I support mostly women but occasionally some men or to heal their own birth experience so they can really live really live fully what they want to do, not holding back, not compromising, living what other people want. And not then having regrets over that, you know, that little voice inside when you want to do something in your life. And if you don't follow it through whatever fears, you can then regret that. So I and I have a big connection with birth. So I um, started out mostly focusing on pregnancy and confidence in birth that way. Mm-hmm. And but really, I find I have then work wider than that. So not just pregnant pregnancy. Um, pregnancy to include because it's always that part that i've always included in the pregnancy work of healing your own birth
1: right
0: it's something that's not necessarily obvious straight away because you can't remember it so people don't always think of that straight away
1: as being a factor in in any challenges yeah now uh, this is what i find uh, you know i think this is really um Important actually in our healing journey because obviously all my chakra chats that I'm doing are talking to different people who have different healing modalities and introducing people to different ways because I feel like there's never a one size fits all with healing. Everyone needs to find their mm-hmm. own way. And and people have such <coughs> different levels and types of traumas that they and programming imprints, whatever, that they need to work with. And so this one birth trauma you know when you say birth trauma one instantly thinks of the trauma of giving birth Mm -hmm. you don't think about the impact that it has had on the baby and for I for one you know I've got two two boys I had two very very different births um they were completely different um, but, and I do worry about the impact that the the more traumatic birth had on on my one son. Um, so I think that this is a, an amazing thing to go back to to try and work out. So what if so I mean how does it work? How do you go about working out what the trauma was at your birth? if your mother has passed away or if she just goes, Oh, it was fine, darling. I don't want to talk about it or, you Mm -hmm. know, whatever. How do you, how does, how does it work? So generally I would say that people
0: who've listened to me or who, If they don't know they have a traumatic birth, obviously, if you know you've had a traumatic birth, then you realize you've got to heal it. So there's different ways that people come. If somebody, for example, is planning to give birth, that can often activate a hidden trauma. And so it's one of the things I would say to someone to consider that within whatever tools you're using. Just put it out there. Is there something from my own birth I need to heal? And it will come up so that I think your question is pointing out how if you don't know whether you've had a traumatic birth and there's no one you can ask and and even if you can sometimes your mother may have had thought it was a wonderful experience but that doesn't mean there's not something that got locked in at that experience for you that isn't Im- impacting you now in a less than optimal way mm. because you might not have experienced it the same so um usually it it just show, often in my sessions it shows up spontaneously of course now as I specialize people that come to me there's a kind of match on some level we know more than we know consciously there's a match someone's like i need to work with her i need to do that but if someone's just looking generally gosh it's it's um it's incredible how we can track back to something that we can't remember and what i find is that once you start to work with someone they'll say, I feel like a little baby. I just feel like I'm a little baby. And it might be thinking that I'm this adult over here having this problem in my life right now. But when you open really beneath the surface level of what the problem is, the feeling is like of being a little baby. And often we think of inner child work. So we think Mm. you might feel sometimes you go into a situation, you feel like a little child and you're supposed to be the adult. It's a kind of similar feeling to that. So that's one way that it can happen. And I would in some ways I'd like, I think everybody could look at something from their birth. Because when you look at how we've overmedicalized birth and you look at the history of how birth is done in the Western world now. And currently there's an an official 30% reporting trauma, but a much larger number reporting kind of suffering or unhappiness or less than positive. And as the baby, like you said in the bit where you don't think of the baby, that baby experiences all of that with less of a separation because they're inside the mother, so they're experiencing the mother. And for some, that's, it's not like anything you experience that's difficult in your life becomes locked inside. Like, as you know, as an adult, you might have a challenging day, but it doesn't necessarily get locked inside yeah. because the trauma is not necessarily the level of the event. It's how you were treated, what the beliefs or the impact and so on. And, And it's a point that I'd like to bring in, very briefly is that people worry then what about my child have I inflicted the trauma on them Mm. and I would say open wider in the perspective that because I was born traumatically that's how I came into this my experience of it was so more so than it was for my mother who was giving birth and everyone expects it to be a bit hard and a challenge and sometimes I think challenging and hard things in life can be the most rewarding. But for me, because of what happened, I was felt trauma. that. But of course I didn't know. Yeah. But throughout my life there were things I started to feel depressed and I didn't know what to do with my life. I felt meaningless and useless and valueless <laughs> and um, it didn't show up in my earlier years. It didn't really show up strongly until it came to a point in life to become the beginning of the path towards motherhood which I knew I wanted so at that point I was still single and younger but I knew where I wanted to go and there were things in the way that I wasn't aware of so then that was showing up as say depression and that was when I started to heal my birth experience by accident initially but having done that and having worked with lots of people who always go through a stage like you said of all but the, you know the first birth I gave birth to my child and it was traumatic and it's like they're stronger. Our children are strong. We are strong. So we go through these things and it's like, it's not something that has to impact you forever in a negative way. And it doesn't change who you are. It doesn't mean you're not this amazing, wonderful person. And it's so, we feel such guilt as mothers. Oh no. I, Cause you want to do the best for them and set them up, but it might be that is what they wanted. They, the soul level, if you like, wanted to experience that for some, we don't know why or how, and even if it was terrible and you can see better it's like the guilt on top isn't helpful and when you let go of that it's like that reconnection the re and the ability to heal because you can do healing for you for your child for for the whole line and the lineage that comes and it's yeah. like everyone's benefiting from that yeah. so it's it's a challenging one to because everybody goes through that yeah. That I mean, point. mother's
1: guilt. Oh my God. You know,
0: that's the uh, <laughs> whole topic in itself. <laughs> that's, a, that's
1: a whole topic in itself. Um, but I think that, uh, part of that mother's guilt is inherited. Mm-hmm. And I think that, um, and I, and I want to come back to that, um, that subject of inherited trauma that I know that you can talk to as well. But first of all, I'd love to understand a little bit more about how in an adult the that birth trauma shows up what what can it look like I mean obviously you've said that you felt you know depressed and a bit Mm -hmm. purposeless and so on yeah um so what can you can you pinpoint or or approximate even um a, a birth event and translate that a common thing that then shows up in later life so yeah Yeah.
0: I can give you some examples Hmm. and also kind of with the caveat that something can be presenting and it can come from any number of incidents but the end result can look the same and also that you can have so many incidents with the same theme and the energetic pattern is the same as what was happening at birth but you don't not everybody will be drawn to healing it at the birth level it's because it's the energetic pattern you need to heal wherever you heal that is fabulous but i find it so powerful and to heal it right back at that very early stage you know all the patterns through so to give you some examples of common patterns that have come up in my clients recently one of them is compulsive eating and binge eating for example and people do a lot of different things and one what i say with birth sometimes it's the missing link you mm. might have been doing things in areas like new diets or exercises or mindset work of feeling good about your body but you're not really thinking about what happened when you were born and one of the things that is so so common is to be separated from your mother at birth for a period of time which is then an interruption in the feeding process and a baby has an evolutionary expectation that's like a biological physical expectation you know how like they can root straight away for the breast. Mothers in comas can give birth, the baby can root. If you leave a baby alone, it will walk up the chest and find the breast all by itself because we're mammals, like other mammals. People find it easier sometimes to understand this when they look at a mammal that's just given birth and see it suckling and see that that's the expectation. We all know to leave animals alone in the dark and so on, and we're actually the same uh, um, in that we're mammals and we have these evolutionary patterns and when you break them there's an impact and Mm -hmm. so we've separated mothers sometimes necessarily if there's a life-threatening thing but more often than not because of the system and the protocol Um, and in the historically um, because that was just how it was done put babies in nurseries and then bring them to be fed on a schedule and what that can Mm -hmm. upset the natural pattern of feeding and where the baby's desperately hungry or desperately wanting the comfort and love and touch, and feeds like there 's no tomorrow because they don 't know when there's when where that separation period's going to happen again, so they try and cling on or it 's the only way they can be sure they 're not leaving is when they 're feeding on some energetic level, and it can create patterns where there 's a link to that that 's one way. Um, another strong example is in relationship building with trust that the person won't leave. Because if your mother left, not necessarily on purpose, and for me it was only an hour or two, or maybe 24 maximum that I was in an incubator on my own at a time when babies shouldn't be on their own. And and everyone was doing their best to care for me in my story, but it could have been done on my mother. I wasn't a young baby so young that needed you know, support to breathe or instruments or machines to save my life. In that respect, mm. I was fully termed and was fine. I could have had been warmed on my mother in, in that particular example. But the, that separation period is, is harsher than it could be with kangaroo care where the baby in premature babies, I wasn't premature, can be kept on the mother. So when that has happened, there can be a, the baby has to try and cope alone when they're not supposed to be alone. They're helpless and dependent completely on the mother, and that's all they've known. And suddenly, that's gone. Their whole world has just disappeared. They've had a big transition out of the womb. They've suddenly got fresh air, cold things to touch, sounds are much louder, sights are louder, and there's no one there. And so, that can set up patterns in relationships that can be I don't trust them to stay, or I have to do everything on my own because you can go and you can be in a frozen state. And how that can then That's just like two examples. But how that can then show up is when as an adult, you go into a situation that resembles energetically that one. Your body activates the response that happened then or activates a similar coping strategy because it got you through that time you're still alive. Um, And that obviously is very common when you come to give birth because your body's preparing for pregnancy is going to give birth. It's the same hormones and patterns and things that you experienced from the baby ends your body's like oh we we're not that was traumatic and sometimes it can kind have of shut down so much the body just goes alert alert you know trauma alert we don't want that again and the body will shut down the baby won't come out easily um another example of how that can show up i did a video about this recently can be in a completely unrelated event to birth but on some level some feature of what happened to you in birth has been activated. So for me, it was the most recent one where this occurred for me. It was very powerful was when I wanted to create some paid events for my business that I was advertising, like come to this paid event and I've been doing some free workshops Mm. and I, I knew I was blocked. I couldn't do it. It was so charged. And I was like, No, I I just I was stalling, (laughs) do small free events, stalling, and it was like another leap. I just and I was like, why? Why can't I just do that? And when I explored, it was like there were some initial fears on the surface of looking stupid or not being good and whatever. And then it was like the fear was that nobody would come when you you know you try and open your business, no one would come. And I was like, and then suddenly bang. I was the baby in the incubator, no one's coming. And I was crying and really emotional. It's on, I'm on the edge of the emotion now, just remembering it was, but it was a visceral, suddenly I can feel myself being a baby in the incubator, no one's coming, no one's coming. Is anyone ever going to come? So I, that was coming up inside me, that when I released that and healed that, that also broke the block on putting myself in situations where people might not come. Because and as an adult when people might not come to a business thing, well, you know, it's not a big deal, so much you're still alive, you're still surviving, you've got friends, you've got people who love you. But for that baby for no one coming, it was a really big survival deal. That's and, going um,
1: to you so deeply, isn't it?
0: Yeah. So there and are so lots of everyday look what look like ordinary everyday challenges that if they've got a strong pathway back, that it might pop up in that way.
1: Yeah. So the impact of that separation is, mm-hmm. you know, I can see in you that that it's a really visceral and and as you were speaking, I'm kind of like holding myself together because this is <laughs> a similar situation that happened with my son, and it's like, oh my mm. god, you know, what what yeah. do I do? It's it's you know, it wasn't any yeah, it's it's a, it's a very deeply emotional thing that mm. i can totally mm-hmm. i can to, i'm feeling that victim. yeah yeah
0: yeah and and then what you said with what did i do that is that again coming back to the subject of guilt when actually when it comes to it you you love your child and you did the best with all these circumstances because we we get birth so messed up in the west and then we tend to blame it on ourselves, as if we were responsible for that. And it's not us. It's not us. When and then the the pain, and the, the realization is because we know inside us that evolutionary pathway. Even if that's wrong, we know it, and so then we want to heal it. And the tears are actually part of the healing, because mm-hmm. we it it isn't like the soul is kind of unwound on. Un, there's a part of us that's unwounded by that. That's just whole. It's a bigger perspective, like the NPA model for that wider perspective that can hold us it's like another mother holding us that's yeah, holding yeah. us that's holding us and in there it can all just fall away
1: mm. it can
0: all just fall away
1: um, so in terms of of you know identifying and and just from listening to you to listening to you speak really for really not a long time and being able to, and I know that there will be so many other people who listen to this, who identify it in the same way as I do, who are sort of like Mm -hmm. trying to hold back those tears as I am, you know, it's the, the, uh, the quest, the next question is, you know, how do you go about healing that, you know, is it just understanding that letting it go, and you mentioned NPA, which is mm-hmm. for those people who've been listening to my podcast and these chakra chats. Um, You remember the lovely Claire Jackson, who I did a lovely podcast with. It's one of the most listened to ones that I've ever mm-hmm. done, actually. And she talked about this beautiful process of NPA and non-personal mm-hmm. awareness, which is a technique, which is um, connecting with energy, releasing energy. Um, just Um, uh, It's just the most magical is the best way because it is like it is like a magic spell. <laughs> so I was thinking. Um, so go back and listen to that if you want a more in-depth explanation of MPA. So Charlotte, is it is it the use of MPA that you're employing to um release this trauma? Yes, I use it quite a lot. I use other tools as well, mm-hmm. but, but the
0: NPA, the non-personal awareness is one of the tools but I've used quite a lot. I've used the journey work that you mentioned with Claire. That's where I first was using when I, um, when I first went back to my birth experience. The first time it was using the okay. journey process, and then I use NPR, I use something called the compassion key, which is directing compassion towards those wounded parts of you to help dissolve the imprints. Because what it is is when they've got stored and locked in in somewhere, mm. as if, and we're still acting from that trauma as opposed to it's something that happened and then it's gone and we've grown from it so I use all those and for somebody who um what I have on my website is a workbook uh, explore your birth workbook which has a red guided visualization at the end and that's a starting point that people can do just journaling questions on what they know if they don't know anything their body has it stored somewhere Um, And it might be the entry point like for you is looking at how you've given birth, Mm. that it's still a connection to that birth energy that you're in as a dyad, the mother and baby, when you are giving birth and growing the baby, it's that life rite of passage, importance, energy. That's why birth can be so healing. I feel when you give birth, oftentimes people are having a first traumatic giving birth. Then they have a second one. That's very healing and I feel it doesn't just healing the first birth that you gave birth to but it's also partly healing the being born so that you've been born which is a separation from a kind of spirit place which is a challenge in itself even done you know we sometimes need a bit of a we've done that amazing thing you know anyway then Mm -hmm. you come and you give birth and when it when it is traumatic I feel it's increases the trauma if you've already experienced that but you're only consciously aware of the one you gave birth to so when you have the healing experience it's actually healing the line backwards of all those births it's kind of you all get a piece of that
1: yeah Yeah. And,
0: um, and then that kind of spreads out like that so in the workbook I look at that in um I've got it here somewhere. It's in different parts where someone said to me, sure, you should charge for this. I said, no, no, this is my freebie on my website. <laughs> it's by comprehensive work. We just, you know, journaling questions of where you're at now is like the first section to link it to what you want now. And then factual starts of what you were born and when, and then looking at patterns in your family, but then bringing it together mm. to where that how that relates to what there is now and then at the end there's a guided visualization and the very first um healing experience I had with my own birth was using the journey and it which is a guided introspection down layers of emotions or through the body uncovering a locked memory inside so the locked memory I got in this case was the birth and it was a big surprise Mm. and um it was a really big surprise because I I didn't have that knowledge. So I suddenly, you know, the the process started out all lighthearted and, oh, yeah, I'm going down a corridor. It looks like Harry Potter. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, looking at it now, I'm like yeah dark corridor heading towards the light. I can yeah. see. <laughs> but I was like, Harry Potter, things on the wall. And suddenly I'm like, oh, my God, I'm scared. And, you know, if anyone that's done any healing, sometimes when you're doing the process, you can feel like a distance from what's happened. And yeah, in that yeah. moment, it suddenly opened up and I was gripping my chair. I was like, I'm terrified. I'm literally, I know I'm sat in a room with adults, or audience, but I'm literally terrified. But I didn't know why at that point, because I hadn't gone into it saying, we're going to look at my birth experience. Yeah. So, okay, there's a bright light. All I can see is a bright light. I'm terrified. There's a bright light. I'm terrified. There's a bright light. A bright light. I was kind of yeah. like, okay, must be hospital. I'm a hospital. I'm a hospital. And then I was like, well. I did that when I was 12. I was like, no, it's older. You know, you just know sometimes. And Mm -hmm. then I suddenly went, I'm being born. And from there it opened. I didn't get much detail. You don't necessarily need to. It was the, like you said, with the NPA process, the energetics of it. But the healing point in that for me was connecting with the energy of my Mm mum and having her hold me, which she didn't get to do Mm -hmm. in real. So although I know that didn't happen, I got the energetic benefit years later of being held and that's what I do in the guided visualization which is a good start just to in the guided visualization you were holding your own baby but in the healing process because it had opened up that way my mom was healing me holding me and I felt that I essentially felt that well she loved me which was in doubt at the moment the baby was on her own it wasn't in doubt with how I was then parented later Mm. but there was a wound in me that was stuck Whereas like the bait on some level, I was on my own. There was no one there. Who are you? What's happening? Does anyone care? Yeah.
1: Um, Yeah.
0: And so it's a very simple way, like the journaling, just to see inside relating with it of anything that may have been sparked from this conversation. And then imagining just holding that baby you and asking simply like what do, you need? what do you need how are you how are you you know that witnessing how powerful it is to be witnessed in yeah. in some to not feel alone
1: yeah. it's very powerful work it's very mm-hmm. powerful thing to do for yourself I know I'm going to go off and and download your workbook once we get off this call <laughs> <I'm really> <laughs> and and I and I may do one for my for my son as well just you know he's 24 now so mm-hmm. uh, you know and w- as we all go through life we all have to deal with stuff and best get it all um heal you know start the healing as, as soon as one can but yeah it's a, certainly uh, it's big stuff
0: um one thing i'd like to say before you go on. is that one of the things that comes through with my clients again and again and also with myself is how healing it is in the motherline relationship even to have the conversation, like with the workbook or, you know, say you wanted to talk to your son, it can be a really intimate connection place with your children to talk about their birth, which is not something's done naturally in our, in our culture. We tend to miss out on all these rites of passages and celebrations. But I find that my clients have often spoken about how they've come to me often, like you said, to heal the birth trauma of giving birth. Then they've looked at their own birth and one of the first things that commonly happens is an improved relationship with their own mother, even if they haven't changed any of the dynamics, but they feel better in that relationship. And sometimes the child who has their own path that they've got to leave, it, it's almost like whatever their challenges the child were having don't necessarily change straight away. Sometimes they do. Sometimes they absolutely change straight away because I'm working with the mother. Sometimes it's that they are able to hold that child from a different place whilst the child lives their life and has their own experiences. And at the same time, they've healed backwards the relationship with their mother, even though it wasn't what they came for, because it wasn't so urgent to them as it was healing the relationship with their child, but they hadn't realized. And then so this line backwards of holding for that child going forwards is healed and helped in that way
1: yeah yeah that's wonderful and it brings me nicely onto that subject that I flagged up yeah. a little while ago of inherited trauma which is something that that um it's you know when you're sort of you noodle around in your day and you read and you you know things arrive in your on your phone and what have you and there's always this, this sort of a theme comes up and re- recently the theme that has been coming up for me that has been popping up has been this inherited trauma has mm-hmm. been like how we hold energy that belongs to our ancestors mm-hmm. um and and what affects how how that happens for a start energetically um but how we understand it how we you know use it to uh, to benefit ourselves or to heal ourselves Um, so yeah I'd love to know what your perspective on that inherited trauma is that we hold back from generations so you know I think as a as a nation in 20 you know we're what 100 years away from the first world war but Mm -hmm. we still feel the reverberations of that coming down yes culturally societally you know economically whatever Um, but that very personal history of you know those those boys who went off and were deeply traumatized and came back and told us to get on with life whatever you know and that's that's very much a British perspective and I know I've got a lot of American and um, international listeners but you know there is that inherited trauma that runs through our all of our histories so how where does where do you speak to me a little about your perspective on on that if you would
0: yeah, so absolutely, the the trauma. You know, science likes to prove things, but it absolutely you can see anecdotally, and science is finally catching up with those things are passed down. I think the science of epigenetics is very much backing that up, where they can see where different genes expressions are turned on and off as a that it actually gets passed down. And there's been quite a lot of studies with the Holocaust and and different things where people have as well as with animals, I think on where things have been passed down and how the behaviours are changed. And it makes sense to me with the work with my clients of birth where, so if I've got a clear example, as I was thinking about this the other day, um, where if your mother has a certain pattern, say, of um, anything really, but like if, if we think of something like, Poverty consciousness that gets passed down, where you can't escape poverty Mm. because it could be physical, it could be emotional, it could be anything. If your mother's spending her whole time worrying about money, you kind of come into this energetic atmosphere of that, and then you grow up through it with childhood. But the likelihood is that your mother was also in the womb experiencing that, it was also in the womb experiencing that. And if you look at it from a physical matter point of view, you existed physically as an egg in your grandmother's womb um because, because you know as your mum sorry in, in your mother's womb in your grandmother yeah, so, yeah the egg was formed in your mother while she was forming in your grandmother yeah so physically you were already present in the energetic context of your grandmother's life on a physical matter level and I don't I think we think things are so separate with physical matter and and energetics and emotion we've kind of compartmentalized it all in the west yeah, but into, the physical the physical is it's, yeah 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 and it's not actually the reality we've kind of blinkered ourselves a bit so we think well that what happened back then has no relation to back now and what I see in say one human life is that like with the example I gave of being worried about no one's coming for the business. If I look through back at my life, there are so many areas where it was particularly charged for me if people didn't come when some people said no to coming to my wedding for valid reasons. On one level, I was like, oh, I'm sorry, you've got to do the booking that day. And on another level, I was feeling devastated. Mm-hmm when actually it was clear, my friends still loved me or whoever it was, because it was the same pointing to that same pain. So if it goes backwards within one lifetime, I feel like it goes backwards within the lifetime in two different ways. And one is the physical lineage of your actual ancestors, physically, your mother, your grandmother, and so on. And then the other is, where does the soul come from that's you and what have they experienced before? And in the same way, that. Say my my example for myself of in a in a business context has activated something that needed healing in me and it might be giving birth activates something that needs healing from birth for somebody else's myriad examples. Then all our life events, I believe the soul has come in, say, Well, oh, I've got a little <laughs> list of things I'd like to experience, I'd like to heal. And then a life experience will activate. That will be charged. This is my theory. I don't know, but charged perhaps more because of what the history is of that soul, which is coming in. And I believe we're not separate in that. We've all come in and, and kind of more community than we think we have. So we're meeting people that will trigger that, meeting people that will help us with that in a kind of community bigger picture way we're all like concerned with our really want this for my child really want this for me and there's kind of a bigger picture of that community happening in levels as well like multi-levels so it makes very much sense to me that there's intergenerational trauma I know traditional sort of communities say it goes seven generations forward and seven generations backwards I've heard that a lot I have no science or no backing for that but it makes sense to me wherever you get a seven from I don't know but there's a it's lot like I don't know, number just, it? <laughs> yeah. like That sense of how it can benefit backwards, even to people that aren't still alive, just on their energetic signature of who they are somewhere, wherever, however, that's working, where they go next. I feel that that
1: benefits, yeah. Through. Yeah, no, I think that speaks very much to that to the beautiful sense that we are all one, you know, that whereas mm. we go around in our certainly in our Western lives and in our lives, just thinking about I, me, my life, my stuff, my experience, we are all only energy and we are all one in terms that we all share this, we all share the energy, we all Mm -hmm. are interwoven. And as you say, very much deeply connected to things that we have no concept of in a strange way. You know, I have no concept of the trauma that my grandfather who died when I was very young, went through in the war, say, or in his life or, you know, but it lives on in me in some way in the sort of the DNA that was passed down. And, you know, we, we blame our parents for everything, don't we? It's very easy for us to blame our parents um, for stuff. Um. And there's that wonderful, uh <laughs> that wonderful poem that my mother, bless her heart, knows off by heart. We were talking about this the other day, and she she quoted the whole thing. I might find it and put it in the show notes because it is brilliant. And it starts off um, something along the lines of our parents fuck us up. They don't mean to, but they do. And it goes on from there. Because, you know, that's that's yeah, I'm gonna put that, I'm gonna find that and put it in the show notes because it is a brilliant poem. Um, that illustrates that passing on of the stuff that we didn't mean to, that we didn't try to, but it's just there. Mm. And that is energy. And that is the fact that we are all just energy working towards trying to survive, trying to Mm. live our best lives. (sighs) So, Gosh, this is so interesting. I tell you what. There's one thing that I that I have got a question for you about, and um, is we're talking about very much the sort of the female line in the you know mothers giving birth, you know females giving birth to their babies. So it's mothers and babies. But have you come across, or do you do any impact for work on the effect that? the birth has on a father so the father of that baby being born the energetic shift that happens there because that's something I would be interested in knowing
0: yeah I've mostly worked with women but I do I I, it has an impact as well so one of the things that's very common is fathers becoming traumatized watching them their partner
1: exactly give what birth. Yeah. yeah
0: yeah so it and then feeling like because they didn't go through it themselves that they they can't possibly be suffering from trauma the word trauma has such a strength of meaning to it that people don't necessarily associate themselves as having trauma that's very common and some of my clients say I didn't know that was birth trauma I just thought I felt shit I just thought I was sad and down for longer I just thought I wasn't coping because you know we we don't have the community around us to process all those big changes And, and the word trauma feels almost too big for people to own as they don't want to take up space because commonly the people that are going to be more likely to struggle to claim their space, uh, it's, it's one of the impacts of trauma when you're not treated respectfully. So you don't want to like claiming that, now this happened to me, this Mm -hmm. happened to me. So for somebody watching, one of the things that's common is that you're not in it So you're more consciously aware of what can go wrong in a conscious brain level. Whereas when you're in it, you might, you may, you will get information that's different. So you may on some level know you're not going to die and it's all okay and you're in an altered state of awareness. Time's gone cookie so it may feel much shorter than it is. Mm. But your partner's on the outside witnessing and seeing the panic of other people around or hearing conversations Mm. and thinking that they're going to lose you and feeling responsible for that because they're in a protector role. And then afterwards, all the attention is on the baby, usually not enough attention on the mother and not enough attention on the partner. And to know for anyone listening in that situation, no matter how many years ago it was, if that touches a chord in you as you're listening, find some support whether it's a friend to listen to you and validate that that experience was valid for you and how you felt so you can release it or journaling or, you know, all the different methods that you would use for any kind of trauma, including the NPA process, which would be brilliant getting support if, if you need to, because that watching it and then it's imprint, it, it can be really traumatic because you thought they were going to die and you couldn't save them and, so you were in a position where it was out of control. You were helpless in that position. And then suddenly at the end, instead of having a place to process that, you've got to look after a baby and your partner who's also maybe potentially gone through something that is impacting them. Just and so nice. then, you know what I hear commonly, which makes me feel very sad, some people say, I don't think I want another one now. I don't want another child now. I can't. I can't go through that again. Mm. Or it'll be, well we were planning this natural birth, but now, no, we want to go into the hospital and get a back just in case. Mm-hmm. And it's a trauma response. It's not a, um, it's not a tuning into what is best. And this baby needs to be born in hospital for something I can't see coming yet. It's a, we're avoiding that horror that happened before by choosing something we think feels safer yeah. without having processed the trauma to truly tune in for this next baby what is the best, what's the best for us. Um, so absolutely. Yeah. And of course it all passes down in a similar way with the intergenerational thing. I, I don't know the science, how it works, but it's certainly, it's certainly when you were born into a family, you're getting the whole family pattern, not just your mother. It's very strong with the mother line because you were inside your mother and you, but the DNA is still of your father as well. So I think the DNA and the biology, they they have a, an energetic connection. on mm. We don't understand. I don't know the science enough, but that means that what's happening, you see it most commonly when you hear stories of twins that know what's happening to the other twin um, or feeling the same pain because their genetics are so similar. But I believe if we tune in enough, we can connect. Even with, I mean, You can connect with someone you're close to, even if you've not got the same DNA. So it makes entire sense to me that there's if there's a link there and maybe both of you are working to heal something in your own way,
1: yeah. Then there's a link there. So another question that's just popped up for me. And um do you find that there is a difference in birth experiences of people who were in their in their birth order, whether they were first child, second child, third child, etc.? Is that different? Because I feel like First children, they get a rough deal anyway because they're sort of the guinea pig. <laughs> it's like we don't know what we're doing. This first child, second one is usually easier. And and traditionally, from you know all of my friends and from my own personal experience, second birth, like way way easier than the first birth. So when someone comes to you, do you ask them if they were a firstborn or a secondborn? Is that a significant factor in the the trauma? It can be. It can be.
0: Yeah, it can be it it's um people usually tell me but they do ask and I you know if I'm working with someone for a package of sessions I I like I'll check whether they've done the workbook and ask them where they come because there's a couple of things with that is positioning and gender Mm. so common particularly in other cultures to not want a girl or not want a girl first Mm. um and even in this culture there can be reasons why you might want a girl or a boy you've had a boy but you wanted a girl you got another boy or and if people find that out in advance as opposed to I find that once if people didn't find out in advance and they see the baby they fall in love with the baby first and then it can it depends how strongly the the conditioning is to want a particular child for some Mm -hmm. reason or whatever but it absolutely can impact whether you were the first or the second and second born it's very very common for the second born particularly the second born to feel pushed out on some level if something happens with the way they come and it doesn't always happen but if the mother's struggling or if the father's struggling or if the first born has special needs and or whatever the thing is then there can be a period of time to adjust to that but it can be still nevertheless something that comes up it's very very common as just a healing thing that can then bring you closer as a sibling and closer to the parent where you know if you've particularly in our culture because we're so isolated as families so we put all the attention on that first one and everything's all about the child not about the mother if it was all about the mother and the family it wouldn't happen so much. It wouldn't be so impactful. If you had cousins around and all the children around, it would just be another child in the family. And if it was all done celebrating the mother, celebrating the baby, it would be the kind of balance for the mother to be looked after and for the, the child to be there with the, with the cousins and other babies and things so that there was breaks. Then there wouldn't be such a noticeable thing of change. It's the change in the transition that can be such a shock when a second child comes. So it mm-hmm. it absolutely can impact and it doesn't always, it doesn't always do so. I think we kind of, I think that's where we don't know what we've chosen, what we've chosen to come in and experience that mm-hmm. like chicken and egg in a way,
1: mm-hmm. you know,
0: did we already come in with um, the propensity to, feel pushed out. And so the first thing that happens is we get pushed out because because there's a new baby come along. We were the firstborn, then a new baby comes along. Did Sometimes that can happen in the womb where, um, that's kind of the thing we haven't spoken about, was the impact of being in the womb when you're actually the second child because the first one miscarried. And you thought of the firstborn, but you're actually the second in that family energy pattern. If there hasn't been a full acknowledgement of that, on some energetic level so uh, it's it's I I did that one of the with my second child I did a I think it was a drumming CD to connect to the soul of the child while you're pregnant so I kind of put that on and you know I'm going to go into the womb and imagine talking to my child and expecting to do exactly just that (laughs) because it was it was meant for that and um, what I got instead was a funeral and um, actually, was this is my first child. My, no, it was for my second. And it was interesting because I had had the miscarriage before I had my second, my first child. But, and I was like, oh, my funeral what? and it's like, we're clearing out the womb. Like, it's like a clearance thing. So I did that first and it was really powerful. It was really, there was a moment of letting the grief pass, but then it was like joy and celebration. It was really powerful and then I, so I put the CD back on again. <laughs> Let's try and meet the baby this time. You know that's what it's for. So the second time I, I met the baby and I got an impression I was talking to the baby, and he said, "Just remember, I'm not my brother. I'm not the same. I'm not. I'm not like him. I'm my own person." And he, you know, that's that was an important thing. He wanted to be seen as himself. You know, like not a carbon copy. That was important to him. I said, okay. <laughs> you know and I asked him how do you want to be born because I think babies as they come in choose have a have an input on where they're born and how they're born significantly which is another thing to let go of the mother guilt um I have um one of the interviews on my website there's like a bonus part of her interview and it it talks of how where she wanted to choose to give birth in the sea but her daughter wanted to be born in a river and she kept trying to choose this place and things kept going wrong with that place and then she eventually found the perfect place in it and she realized in her inquiry when she was talking to her other children that the the sea place was where she'd wanted to be born herself not actually where her child wanted to be born and so it was like kind of that dialogue almost with your child on what's important to each of you because that's a lot of what my work is what matters to you yeah you matter and what matters to you so when you find what really matters to you and work out the energetics of that you can then create that and it might not look what you originally thought because you've cut out the middleman of what you thought you wanted to get this thing over here Mm. and so you know I knew from my son I thought it was going to be a water birth again my second son because I felt this when I asked him where he wanted to be born I felt this real peaceful kind of place and really it was like you know it's that interpretation yeah (laughs) what did you mean and I thought, oh, he's the water birth again, he wants that. And he was born in the shower, so it wasn't in the pool. And um maybe it wasn't quite like he'd planned either. I don't know whether things went to plan. It was a beautiful birth, but um so I did make an interpretation, but there was that conversation between us about what he wanted, what mattered to him, and mm-hmm. could I facilitate that? And like and and in a way, I think these things can be so simple when people say, How can you work to heal birth or heal I believe we can just have a simple conversation, Start, you know, like either with your actual children, if it's about something that happened, like, you know, with your adult child son, with the consciousness of the baby inside you mm. or with the consciousness of the wounded baby that you're carrying or the ancestors. So what do you want? What matters to you? Okay, well, I want this. How can we work it out? Like you would with your friends, you know, where we going to go. What do we want to do?
1: It's mm. important to us yeah so most of your work is is well it sounds like your work is very much sort of two-sided the two sides of the same coin so with the mothers and with mm-hmm. dealing with their birth trauma and dealing with their oncoming upcoming births and mm-hmm. and it's such beautiful work charlotte i'm so I've been really moved by, by everything you've said. And it's struck so many chords with me uh, on so many levels, you know, I, I don't want to bore you with, you know, it's, it's interesting, isn't it? Cause when you start talking about births, even if it was 20 odd years ago, you still, mm-hmm. that birth story, the story of how you gave birth is still like really it's a, it's a big, it's a, the biggest let's put it, let's, let's be honest about it for me. Giving birth twice was the the, the most the, my biggest and best achievements of my entire life, regardless of anything else i've ever done those are the things I'm most proud of having given birth so the stories that are around them are are precious you know and you kind of you you want to share them and you want to um, mm. heal them and and knowing that there is and acknowledging, because when you started talking about everything, it was like, yeah, that I can see that there is stuff around these births that, for both me and for my boys, that that needs to be that needs to be healed. And so, you're just briefly, because I've, I've kept you for nearly an hour now, so I shan't, we shouldn't go on too much. <laughs> just briefly, I just want to ask. <clears throat> Your your process of your healing is centered. I know you said this already, but there was one thing that you said that that just I wrote down compassion key. What is mm-hmm. that? Can you just speak to that for a moment?
0: Um so compassion key is another tool similar to the non-personal awareness tool that works simply spoken but connects in more with some energetic level. Often Um, with a sort of karmic layer of, like you said, the intergenerational layer or the karmic layer, but it's essentially directing compassion energy towards the wounded part of you to dissolve that imprint, to dissolve. So the statements you make are all statements of compassion towards that wounded part, but they're not like positive thinking statements of what you'd want to happen. It's like you're witnessing what has happened which will include the events, how you feel about them, all the energetic patterns of what's going on. And as you offer that compassion energy, it dissolves the imprint. It sounds a bit magical, like a magical spell, like NPA as well. Mm-hmm. All about um, In that, you know, you explain it and you go, because you know, we're not used to that kind of simplicity and witnessing mm. in our culture. So when you talk about the NPA and it's a few words and a few lines and a whole big energy load of things just falls off and, opens up the space for a new clarity and a new energy. And the, so the tools are quite complementary in that way as I use yeah. them.
1: Beautiful. Well that's something that I, you know, the the MPA, your workbook, which I think sounds like it's a pretty juicy free thing, to be fair. I'm I'm planning to look at that and go, Yeah, that's worth money. <laughs> you're giving it away for free i bet that's the case um so the your workbook the mpa compassion key and of course anybody can if they want to get in touch with you to work with you they can do so through your website the note the the link to which will be in the show notes um Mm -hmm. charlotte thank you this has been the most brilliant hour spent with you. I'm so grateful and I'm, I'm so in awe of your work. I think it's just wonderful. So thank you very, very much. Mm.
0: Yeah, thank you for having me. It's been really lovely to chat to you. And every time I talk to someone, I'm reminded of the power of our birth stories to celebrate and to um as part of who we are uh, as you know both even if you've not had children but who we are when we were born into this time and Mm. it's such powerful work that it's I can feel the power when you talk to people of birth and they start to consider how they were born or how they gave birth and community of people that we are so Mm. thank you for the opportunity
1: you're so welcome thank you charlotte So thank you for joining me on this episode. Um, I hope you'll agree that it was a pretty important conversation that Charlotte and I had. Um, I certainly found it um, very impactful. And in fact, Charlotte and I continued talking for, I don't know, a good 20, 25 minutes after I switched off the microphones and, um, And, and we talked, um, we talked a long while about, you know, our own experiences. And I opened up to her about my birth experience, which I allude to in the podcast, but I didn't want to go into details because I knew I'd cry. And of course I did (laughs) when we were talking about it together and I was describing, you know, my first birth experience. Um, I realized how much emotion and trauma there was still locked up within it. Um, and so this is something that I'm going to work through. I'm going to invite my son to work through it with me as well, um, since he was the the little boy being born. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think we all have uh, something that we can relate to in this and i think this is something that's really important and something that really is not it's just not widely accepted or even it's not even in the conversation in the west and the interventionalist um way that the medical world sees birth um it's not always so helpful i mean i'm not saying that you know obviously many 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 lives have been saved by medical intervention obviously i'm not saying it's a bad thing but this whole you know this this separation and taking the baby away um uh, and and it i think that's something that we can look back and it's probably uh, an inherited trauma of one's generations generations back when, you know, we all have that, um, image, you know, back in the fifties or even earlier when, you know, you went to a maternity hospital and then all the babies were kept in one room and all the mothers kept in another room. And, um, and we were fed, fed by bottles because breastfeeding wasn't in fashion. um, and, you know, there was the whole system of there was nannies and children were, you know, to be kept upstairs away and left on their own and told, to, you know, allowed to cry it out. There's so much trauma that we all experienced in one way or another, um, I think, as we were um not unconscious because we were alive, but not in our conscious memories. A lot of stuff that we went through in our unconscious memories. Um and then interestingly, I, I had a conversation actually with um with Claire Jackson, who I alluded, you know, her referenced, um, who I talked to a the MPA, I I had a conversation with her um, a couple of days after about my conversation I'd had with Charlotte. And she was explaining to me about um, another aspect of birth, which, um, if I'm honest, made us both cry (laughs) again. (laughs) It was very, very emotionally charged. Um, A thing called lotus birth, which easily Google, Google Googleable. Um, lotus birth, which is, um, I think it's an old sort of, it's shamanic practice, which when you learn about it, it seems to make very, a very large amount of sense. So the basic principles are that, um, the placenta is birthed with the baby, you know, in the west, we give birth to the baby, they cut the umbilical cord, and then they give you a, a shot in the bum or they give you some sort of injection, and then the placenta just sort of flops out and it's medical waste. Yeah, so in the lotus birth, you give birth with the placenta, so you give birth to the baby, then you give birth to the placenta, and you keep the baby and the placenta. As one and the umbilical cord as one, um, whole. And you keep the placenta and the umbilical cord with the baby until the baby pushes it away. Now, this can take anything from three to three days to two weeks. I know it, it varies, but the theory is, is that the we see that the placenta as the tree of life as the source of all wisdom, of all nutrients. And we know it's the source of the nutrients for the baby in the womb. Um, but there is still a lot to be downloaded from that placenta Um, before the baby is done with it. Um, And so the baby is allowed to keep the placenta with it um, until it pushes it away. And it will know when that time is. And then you cut the cord and the placenta is then buried somewhere where the child who will grow up into an adult, should they need the wisdom of their tree of life, can go back and visit it and... Um, continue that download of information that they, that they may require from their, um, their, their very first life source. And, um, yeah, this touched me hugely. And I think that it's something that we don't think about, we don't talk about. And when you think about it in those terms of, because I don't know if you've ever seen a picture of a placenta, but it does look very much like a, a tree, like the branches, like a sort of a canopy of a tree. To see it as a tree of life, to see it as a source of, of um, I don't know, the soul's wisdom, if you like, not only just of nutrients, but nutrients for the soul as well as for the body. Um, it seems... Uh, It just seems heartbreaking that it is treated as medical waste. And I know that a lot of people, they take the placenta, they eat it. That's maybe, you know, merits energetically, I'm not sure. Um, But I just think it's relevant and interesting within the context of this conversation that I had with Charlotte. And I think that it is um, something that if you are a young person and you are giving birth or, you know, you plan to give birth, then it's something to look into and at least know about, you know. I didn't know any of this stuff 20 odd years ago when I gave birth. So, yeah, there's a lot to unpack here, <laughs> a lot to unpack. Anyway, so I will leave it there for now and just say, um, you know, I'd love your feedback. I'd love to hear your stories um, and please do get in touch with Charlotte. You know, what a lovely, she's just gorgeous. So please get in touch with her. If you, if this touched a nerve and you want to do the work, I can't imagine doing it with anybody better than Charlotte. It's um it's important work and it's big stuff. And, you know, I alluded in the in the um, podcast to my obviously I didn't allude to I talked about it a lot. Um my my first birth. You know, my son's been at home recently and so we've talked about it and for him, age twenty four, it's it's actually made a lot of things kind of fall into place for him. You know, just just a very initial downloaded conversation about this as an as, a, as an issue, as an energy trauma. He's like, yeah, I, I can see that because X, Y, Z. And so, yeah, you know, it's if you've got grown up children, it's worth having the conversation. If you've got little children, you know, it's also worth the conversation. And if you are going to give birth, it's definitely one to, to think about. So I'll leave it there. Okay, I will be back with more lovely conversations and more benedictions soon. So until then, take care Thanks. and lots of love. Bye now.
0: Hold up. What was that?